It's time for the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast, answering your questions from the General's Quarters every week, right here on VolQuest. Good Thursday morning, everybody, and welcome into the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast, brought to you by Smoky Mountain Organics, the Tennessee's most trusted health and wellness store, focusing on natural products and organic remedies to a variety of ailments. Visit one of the three locations in East Tennessee, including the location right here in Knoxville at 8018 Kingston Pike, across the street from the Trader Joe's, or you can shop online at SmokyMountainOrganics.com. Rob Lewis, Austin Price, and Brent Hubbs here, uh, along with myself, Eric Kane, for this edition of the Mailbag Podcast. Got plenty to get into, a little basketball, a lot of recruiting, some baseball. We'll go ahead and dive right into it. Austin, we will start off with you. This is from Volunteered87. Higher percentage that Austin buys another golf polo, polo this summer, or that Christian Conyer is heavily leaning towards the Vols? I'll step in here. Unfair question. Austin Price is always buying a golf polo, so that's there's no comparison there with that. That's like suggesting whether or not somebody's going to um, drink water at some point this summer versus Christian Conyer leaning. So and will the sun come up tomorrow? Hubbard? Yeah, exactly. That's that's not it's not a fair question. No offense, volunteered eighty seven, but. He's obviously going to buy a golf polo, regardless of what Christian. Conner he may does. buy one before this podcast is over. There's a good chance he's on Amazon. Uh, or he's not, on the Peter Millar store right now. Buying. Online shopping. I, I am not. Uh, I'm currently in my house. I'm not at a pro shop of a top 100 course uh, with the nice logo, but I will be next Thursday. <clears throat> uh, the better question is: Is who rocks the upper lip facial hair better? Rob Lewis's new edition of the mustache or Phil Mickelson's new bad boy goatee. I haven't seen Phil yet. He's, he's embracing his uh, inner uh, dark side. I'm waiting for VFF to post a GIF on, on VolQuest this weekend. And he's got some friends too. Some friends joining him in uh, that, that league as well. Brent, uh, do you expect there to be naming rights sold to the renovated baseball stadium or are companies like pilots unlikely to be financially invested in a sport like baseball. I don't think it's a situation where pilot pilots not going to be financially invested. I think pilot was a big part of the reason why there's turf at Lindsay Nelson stadium. They just didn't do their logo and make it a big show that way. But I think pilot was fully invested in helping get um, the, the turf down several years ago. Uh, I think what you're going to see Danny white do uh, in a lot of venues is not sell naming rights to the stadium, but naming rights to premium sections. You know, uh, whether that's the Jack Daniels Suites or whether, I mean, you throw out whatever company you want to in, in, in East Tennessee or, or the state of Tennessee, I, I think you're going to see more of that uh, because you can get, you know, multiple sections in a venue like that and, and, you know, generate some money. I think that's more likely than saying, you know, Lindsey Nelson Stadium presented by XXX because you're not going to suddenly take Lindsey Nelson's name off of that stadium. It's it's it'll be like NASCAR, how they have like you know the dare you know such and such turn one, such and such concourse. I mean, I mean that's what it'll be like. I mean, I'm not I'm not talking about like sponsorships, but like when you go to a when you go to Daytona, each each grandstand is is now sponsored. That's the Buick first base, the Hyundai second base, <laughs> your rounding third base, and your Tesla. It's just an easy way to make money, though. I mean, it's such an easy way to make money. I feel like Danny White will take advantage of that. Now, there's uh, a lim- there's a limit to it, and, and obviously we're joking, and, and Austin's right about some of the NASCAR stuff, but it's not like 
there's going to be 19 sponsors in there, but they, they will, they will certainly try to sell some of those premium seats, um, and premium seat areas to, to corporate sponsors, I would imagine to help pay for cost, not just in Lindsay Nelson stadium, but I think in Thompson bowling arena. And I think in Neyland stadium as well. Will it be more like NASCAR or will it be more like rivalry Thursday? Nothing can. I mean, rivalry. I mean, if it's rivalry Nothing Thursday, compares. we're going to sell. A, we're going to sell like a, a tweet of grass, a blade of grass, and talk about somebody. Section D, row nineteen, seat two, brought to you by Regal Cinemas. <laughs> AP, I don't know about you, man, but I'm thankful for that on rivalry Thursday. So I am too, but I mean, like he, I've told Mark too many times. It's hilarious. I'm like Mark every time. You don't have to say it every time. Like they kind of get the gist. When the logo pops up on the screen, they know it's the such and such first down. There's a Food City Force out the second base for out number two of the eight. <laughs> and the audience watches every game as well. So I mean, by by, by week two or three, we got to doubt that. Uh, we'll go one more with Volunteer eighty seven. Who do you think has the higher ceiling as a recruiter, Cody Burns or Kelsey Pope? I'm sure he has a long way to go to be elite, but it seems like Pope's name is uh, being mentioned a lot for a first-year head coach. Guys, uh, I guess AP, I, I mean, I've heard good, good things about Kelsey Pope as well. Uh, obviously got a lot to learn because, again, this is first year on the field, but I'm hearing good things about Kelsey Pope. Yeah, I mean, again, Cody Burns decided he didn't like the direction of college football and went to the NFL or, or just felt like the opportunity in the NFL was better for more time. Kelsey Pope's young. He's hungry. And I think that goes a long way to becoming a good recruiter. Anytime you're hungry and driven and, and, and want to prove yourself. And, and that's kind of where he's at as, as a coach. Um, you know, he is, he's constantly um, working the phones. He, you know, he's not married yet, although that's soon, that's happening soon. Um, probably would have been married had he not gotten this gig and we got pushed back a few months. Uh, early congratulations to him. But, uh, you know, when I talked to Nathan Laycock a couple nights ago, he talked about, you know, just how driven, you know, Kelsey Pope is. And that like he's like, man, I told my mom, you know, Tennessee wants me so bad. Like he recruit, like I look at their wide receiver room and you would think they have no wide receivers at all, the way he recruits me. You know, I mean, that's you know, that's that's the sign of a good recruiter. When you're hungry, young and driven, um, that's a, a setup for success. Cause you know, again, you're trying to trying to build, you know, for your career. AP, Hubbard, let me, uh, me flip it when you talk about a guy being young and hungry. I mean, and we've seen a lot of young guys come in to be, I think, really effective, or at least, if not effective, you know, really, really get their names out there. I'm, I'm more impressed by a guy like Rodney Gardner. Who, I mean, Hubbard, how long has he been doing it? 30 I mean, years. High, thir- I mean, 30 plus years. And he's, I mean, to, to maintain a rep as an ace recruiter for that long of a period of time when, man, I can't think of a lot of things that, I would least rather, less rather do than, than that. You know, be, I mean, as much time, I mean, we all know how much time goes into that. And, and for him to be at, at the top of the, the tier for as long as he has, I mean, I, 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 that's what that question made me think about. You know, you see a lot of, I don't want to say, I'm not trying to discount Kelsey Pope by saying you see a lot of them, but it's not uncommon to see a young guy get his first crack and really get the bit between his teeth and be aggressive. But for somebody to do it like Coach Garner has for as long, I don't think you see a lot of that. Well, and the adaptability. I mean, from from the change changing calendar. Uh, I mean, think about it. I mean, when when he started twenty five or thirty years ago, whatever. I mean, you got him one time on your campus. I mean, you, you got him for an official visit. You had to get it done then. And 
Um, in some ways, maybe that was easier. And now, I mean, you've got to find different ways to connect with them to get them to campus seven or eight times to try to get them. So I think that Rodney Garner's ability, it tells you what he is, what he, who he is and what he's about, Austin, his relationships. And through all the changing things, he's been able to continue to, to figure out ways to foster and, and, and build the relationships you have to build to sign guys, regardless of how the rules have changed. Well, again, he's to a point, Hubbard, where he's recruiting, you know, the sons of dads that he recruited years ago. I mean, like, you know, not just Rico Walker. There's been several instances like that the last several years where he is, you know, doing that. The other day he had a kid that, you know, camped here. He, you know, he recruited his dad at Georgia. Now, that kid didn't, didn't end up, you know, get an offer. But point is, like, those relationships – they stand the test of time. And so, it, you know, when you're, when you're an older coach that you really have to find ways to stay hungry, stay driven and, and using your relationships and um, you know, kind of the reputation you built is a big way to do that. Yeah. I think the unknown untold story of this past fall, non-recruiting, but talks about Rodney Garner's relationships is the number of former players that came in and watched Tennessee play and spent time on game day or a game day weekend with Rodney Garner that never played at the University of Tennessee. They played against Tennessee. I mean, Georgia kids, Auburn kids that came to watch Tennessee play and to see Rodney Garner at Tennessee because they wanted to see their coach and they wanted to watch their coach work. That tells you what he's about and how he's been able to stand the test of time. It's because his relationships never end. They don't end. And that's why Austin's right. He can circle back around to these guys you know, who, who he's going to recruit their kids when he recruited them. But people would be blown away by the number of former players that showed up this past fall to watch Tennessee's defensive line and to spend the weekend with Rodney Garner. Let's go ahead to Dale 1998. Uh, can you guys explain the NCAA's one-time transfer rule and when did it take effect? It took effect last summer. Uh, it seems to me that there have been several players that have transferred twice and still have been ruled eligible immediately. Um, before that, of course, there were some waivers that allowed that to happen, but now it's everybody can transfer one time. An example of that, will Justin Powell be eligible immediately at Washington State, Rob, since he transferred to Tennessee from Auburn last year? As My understanding is he's got to win a waiver. I mean, it's, he, he could be eligible, but... What's the waiver? I mean, like, I, I didn't play enough. You I, know? I mean, like, my, that ain't closer to home. I mean, like, my, my only... Th- and again, I could be wrong. I, I think unless you're going close to home, I don't see that you have a leg to stand on. Unless, you know, maybe you were, you, you were treated badly, you know, off the court. There were some things like, which to, I think was definitely not the case with Justin Powell here. I mean, I, I could see it if, you know, maybe, you know, you could prove some sort of, again, mistreatment or, you know, mishandling of an injury or, or something like that. But I, I don't think that's the case with, with Powell here, and he certainly has not gotten closer to Kentucky. No, I mean, you know, maybe there's certain instances where a coach that he's leaving the program from can, you know, sign off on it or try to sign off on something somehow. The other thing that's a factor, too, is if you're a graduate, you can transfer a second time as a grad transfer. So you have a one-time eligibility transfer regardless of your classification. But if you want to transfer again as a grad transfer, meaning you had not used your grad transfer status, and to get a grad transfer deal, you find a place that has a grad program that the school you're currently at doesn't have, uh, which is easy to find uh, in this day and age, um, then you can be eligible for a second time immediately. So that's the difference. The grad transfer rule's always been there, or it's been there for nearly a decade, I guess. It remains, the new rule is the one-time transfer 
for non-grads. I don't think Justin Powell's a grad transfer leaving Tennessee. I've not seen anything like that. Um, so he would he have did, to. Uh, he's smart. Win. That's two years. No, he's not. Yeah. He's not grad transferring. Let's do a couple of football ones. Rapid fire AP. This is from Ath Run. Uh, best chance of being the running back in this class: Bishop Cobb, Jackson, or someone else, or maybe a combination of the of, of the names mentioned. I think you'll see Will Stallings in this class, and then, you know, I think if they can find a way to land Cam Seldon, then he would play running back and receiver. Yeah. So it's it's kind of you know part part Seldon if they can land him, and then. You know, part Will Stallings, and then we'll see about Deshaun Bishop. I think that's kind of the three. Still think Cardinal Tate is a ball lean AP? As of we said here on the, you know, 9th of June, yes, I still do. But I, Ohio State's not going away. I've not heard anything to make me suggest, to, to make me feel like, you know, things have went totally the opposite direction. But, you know, I, you know, I, I know he's ready to make a decision. Um, it, it just, I always felt like if he's going to do something the second week of June, third week of June, it was going to be Tennessee. If not, he was going to hold out. But I mean, you know, the kids honestly went quiet on everybody. I talked to a bunch of national guys. He's went quiet on them and which makes sense because when I talked to him a couple of weeks ago, he made it very clear. He wants to have a moment and not have it ruined by predictions and so on and so forth. So going quiet, going underground, and then just popping up on a random Tuesday and committing or whatever, it, it feels like, you know, that's what's going to happen. But who knows? He may come out next week and go, hey, I'm going to announce, uh, you know, at this time, you know, on this day. But it just does not feel that way to me. He also tweeted out yesterday he's looking for somebody to shoot the video for his uh, commitment video. Well, so that may be that may be a part of his timing situation as well. Well, 100 percent. And, you know, the thing is, is like schools, whether he's going to Ohio State or Tennessee, they can do videos now. Like, because, you know, when they come in on these official visits, it's not just pictures they take. They take video. They can do video commitment videos. Now, they can't go to, you know, Chicago and get him walking around the bean and, you know, all that stuff, but like they can absolutely do videos incorporating stuff with him while he was here on his official visit. So I guess it depends on how involved he wants it to be. Two more real quick AP gut feeling on Samarian Parker. We know he loves his visits and then uh, the level on Christian Conyer right now, Tennessee or Kentucky. Um, Tamarian Parker is going to come back here at the end of the month. And so they'll have another chance. I mean, like that feels like Tennessee, Florida, um, you know, I, I don't think Florida's got some big lead or anything. I just think the kid just loves to go places. And, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, you guys were busting my chops about, you know, Peter Millar. When I go into Peter Millar's store or go into a pro shop that has nice Peter Millar, I do enjoy seeing what's new. So, like, every time he goes on one of these visits, he likes what he sees. That's kind of natural, right? I mean, like, when you're a 17-year-old kid and, you know, everybody's showing you a good time, telling you how much they want you, how much they need you. Um, all these places have great facilities. All of them serve you good meals and, and show you a good time. So everybody shows well, and it's easy to kind of ride that momentum of, uh, you know, visit high. So, you know, Tennessee will have a chance to kind of grab back the momentum totally uh, coming up at the end of the month. And as far as Christian Conyer in Kentucky, nothing has changed in my mind. Stick with what I've been saying on the general's quarters. 
We'll uh, we'll go around the room here. We'll start with Rob. Um, this is from Megavol ninety eight. If you had to bet who will be the two starting corners in the opening game, is there a good shot Burrell loses a starting job? I, I, this can go in a number of different directions. Obviously, that's a position that Tennessee does not have solidified right now. I think starting out, I think Kamal had if he's healthy, he's one of your guys. Then you know, since he specified game one, I would say it's Warren Burrell. It's a guy that's played a whole lot of football for you, but. Um, he can't play like he did down the stretch towards the end of the season. But, Rob, it's a, it's a matter of getting those guys back out and practice healthy to see who's out there that can play it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's one of the biggest questions. I mean, I would – I'm with you, Eric. If, if Burrell plays like he did at the end of last season, you know, it, I, it's going to be tough to hold on to his job. I got to think, you know, is what, what did Williams do enough in this, you know, in spring practice to give himself a, a, a fighting chance? I, I would – I also agree with you. I, you know, I wouldn't write Kamel Haddon in with a with a sharpie, mm-hmm. but I would kind of be surprised if he doesn't end up. I don't know about the game one starter, but as the 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 guy who gets the uh, the bulk of the starts at one spot. But I think that's probably one spot that we're all really going to be focused on the first few weeks of camp. I mean, are are you are you guys not? Absolutely. I mean, I think, I think Kamal Haddon's in a, in a spot where if he has a good August, given he played last year and was kind of the first guy off the bench, I could certainly see Kamal Haddon being a starter. To me, Austin, the X factor is Brandon Turnage. Where do they play Brandon Turnage? Is he a nickel? Is he a corner? What are they going to do with Turnage? If he can play corner out there, that, that changes things. Christian Charles, is he your nickel guy? Does he stay at corner where he played in the spring? I, I kind of don't think so. But to me, turnage can dictate kind of what that corner position and nickel slot position looks like. Percent, they got a lot of bodies. Um, you know, at safety, they got a lot of bodies to try to work in. Now with the addition of Andre Turntine, Wesley Walker, um, I think one of those guys is going to be your nickel. Um, turnage is obviously an option is there as well. Um, can can turnage pass up one Burrell? I think Kamal Haddon's a locked in starter. I do. As we said here on June 9th, I, I, I would put a good chunk of out. Oh, that he's a starter game one. Um, so, AP, do you, you think Christian Charles goes back to safety full time? Man, I don't know. I think it depends on how they feel like they, you know, how they feel like things went coming out of spring. I just know that, you know, it's a, and, you know, it's kind of like, you know, you, you got three quarterbacks, you got zero quarterbacks. I mean, you, you got 44 defensive backs. I mean, like, how many guys, true guys do you have? I think the notion is that Kamal Haddens is as talented as anyone in that room. Um, and so, you know, we'll see going forward kind of where, you know, um, you know, things are at. But it, I mean, like, I just think it's going to be harder and harder for Warren Burrell to hold on to that job just because he has more competition than maybe he had a year ago at this point. At this point a year ago, you kind of knew you had Alante and Warren Burrell and a couple other unproven guys. There are a little bit more proven guys and some guys that have come in. Um, so, I mean, I, I think Christian Charles is, 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 is the X factor for me at corner just because if he stays there, he's got length uh, similar to what Alante did. Right, Hubs? He does. You know, and I, and I think he's a talented guy. I just think there's going to be some interesting competition there. And, and part of that depends on how many guys can truly play corner. If Christian yeah. Charles can pl- truly play corner, if Turnage can truly play corner, then Warren Burrell's got a good bit of competition. If those guys aren't corners, then it's maybe Warren Burrell by default because there's not a lot of corners out there. So I think that's the big question, more so than who starts, Eric. It's how many who's in the who's in the group of potential starters. Is that a group of two or three, or is that a group of three to six? That's what we really don't know right now. Yeah, and uh, hopefully we'll find it out because, again, we didn't get a good look at it this spring because so many of those guys were out with injury. 
Charles even missed some time. You had uh, Danico Slaughter, who was playing some cornerback just because they had to have somebody miss some time. You're going to have a couple of new additions. So it's going to be intriguing. And plus, one more note on Christian Charles. I, you know, I view him as kind of like a six man in basketball. Now, he could very well start. Don't get me wrong. But if he doesn't start a corner, if he doesn't start a safety, if he doesn't start a star, whatever, he's going to play. They want him to play. And uh, he's he's kind of a Swiss Army knot that I think is going to be one of the, the best ones back there. Uh, we'll move on here to Sam Smith, 22-33. We'll go around the room. I'll answer this first one. Uh, who's the leading rusher for the football team this year? I mean, you know, low-hanging fruit, I'll say Jabari Small. Durability is an issue there, but I do believe he'll get the most opportunities if he can stay in the lineup. Therefore, I think he will lead the team in rushing. Um, I do believe Justin Williams-Thomas will get his fair share of, uh, of carries as well, along with some others. Rob, who are the defensive leaders on this football team uh, this year? <sighs> I think Tylen Barrett is kind of one of those guys. I think Omari Thomas. Big O, I agree. Kind of, kind of one of those guys. Those are two that, that jump out at me. And, you know, I, th- I think Jeremy Banks is a, is a vocal, emotional guy that, that, pe- that, that is, is kind of a lightning rod for his teammates. Rob, let's actually stay with you on this one as well. With Tennessee adding Maryland this week, is the basketball non-conference schedule done? Uh, I – I think likely. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't rule. You know, kind of a surprise out. I mean, Rick. Rick's always trying to get, get something up his sleeve that he's trying to work out. That you know, sometimes comes to fruition. But uh, I, I would. I would. I would lean towards saying it's done. But I, I won't be stunned if 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 you know he, he pulls something out for November or December. Uh, Brent AP, you guys can both answer this one if you want. Brent, projections on what happens this weekend against Notre Dame in baseball. I'm not betting against Tennessee. Yeah, say that 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 would be the safe bet for sure. I mean, I, not not with what we've seen them done. I I will say this: I think Chase Dolander bounces back in a big way after not having a great outing in the regional. I bet I'll be surprised if Chase Dolander is not really good on Saturday for Tennessee. I think the only way Tennessee gets in trouble is if their bats go quiet. I think if Tennessee hits like they've hit all year, this is going to be a two-game sweep and a couple of just beatdowns. Because I don't think Notre Dame can hit it well enough. And I think even if Tennessee's starting pitching struggles maybe a little bit early like they did last weekend, the bullpen is just so good and so diverse that you can kind of thwart offensive momentum. So if you get a couple early, like three or four runs, you switch it out, you go to somebody else who's a totally different arm angle, who's a you know a different arm that, that kind of you know kills the momentum and allows Tennessee to kind of get going. So – I, again, I just think the only way um, that this team does not go to Omaha is if if the bats are just totally quiet, and that's hard to see, man. They just there's a certain level at home um, with, with the with the atmosphere that tells me they'll hit it fine. I would agree with that as well. Um, the hitting wise, they're fine, but they're not like the Campbell. They're not like the Georgia Tech of this past weekend. But they got some good pitching, especially their their uh, top guy uh, is a graduate. Uh, we'll have more on that on the Diamond Balls podcast, but he's really good, and I think their pitching's you know pretty decent. But I think Tennessee, you play the way Tennessee plays, should have no issue. Um, AP, if Tennessee misses on Bryson Sanders, is it a big loss or is it just a next man up mentality since he's not really a tackle prospect? Yeah, he's more of an interior guy. That's what Tennessee's look at him for. And um, assuming Tennessee takes two tackles. Uh, if they can get them, if not pending for the right guy. So essentially Bryson Sanders, uh, next man up, or is that a big loss? I think you just go to the next man up. You know, I mean. It stings a little bit because it's Chattanooga area, maybe. It's 100%. That's right. It stings because he's an in-state kid. If the kid lived in, you know, Rome, Georgia, would the sting be as bad? I'm going to go no. 
you know, I, I, I think Bryson Sanders is a really good player. Uh, he's a center or a guard. Um, but you can find a lot of guys that are centers or guards. Um, it's tackles you really need. Yeah. You know, you have plenty of centers and guards on your, on your current thing. So, again, that's not, that's not poo-pooing on Bryson Sanders. He's a really good player. Tennessee would 100% want him and take him. But, like, it, it's not the same as losing out on the Lucas Simmons, Wilkin Formby, Francis Malingoa, you know, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just a different – there's a different impact if you don't get those kids versus not getting Bryson Sanders. We'll, uh, we'll move through here a couple of rapid fires. Time is running out. Brent, does Cam Miller have a higher ceiling of wide receiver or safety in your opinion? Sounds like safety right now since he's getting work there. I think he's a guy that they're trying to figure out what position where it works best for him. So, so we'll see. I mean, I think that – you know, my question with Cam Miller is how committed is he to play in safety? How comfortable is he there? How much does he dive into it? Uh, we'll wait and see. Garantano Survivor. Love it. Uh, AP, back to you. How much ground did Tennessee make up on Burley's visit? Zero. He's not coming here. Oh, off the top rope. Well, VolQuest podcast. You're here. Not going to George either. So probably sooner rather than later. C.D. Vall, what's going on with linebacker recruiting? How many do they want to take? Well, inside guys, I'd say they want to take a couple. You got Jeremiah T. Lander, you're good there. C.J. Allen's probably going to Georgia. South Georgia kid, those are hard to pull out of there. And, and, and Georgia's going to take about three inside backers. So even if they get a guy like Raylan Wilson, I think his uh, C.J.'s official visit to Georgia last weekend really pushed him to want to get to a decision because he knows that there are other guys, maybe even ahead of him on the board, but they will 100% take him. So he's going to get in before they do, um, which is another sooner rather than later type thing, in my opinion. Um, and, and, you know, like Jalen Smith, uh, inside linebacker um, out of uh, Grayson, he'll be here this weekend for his official visit. I think that's a big weekend uh, for him. Tissy also looking at the JUCO ranks too for, um, you know, there's a kid who's out of Bartlett, Tennessee, uh, that plays at Pearl River. Um, in Mississippi that Tennessee likes a good bit. Um, you know, so he's a, he's a technically an in-state kid who had to go Juco um, that plays backer. All right. Deshaun 13 wants to know thoughts on Napier in Florida. Seems to have a little juice right now. Here, here's the thing. Like everybody keeps talking about like momentum and juice, right? I mean, we all talk about that. Like right now, like Tennessee doesn't feel like, like they felt like they had a, a ton of momentum two weeks ago. They don't feel like they have any now. Well, because what happens inevitably is, is like you have a, a group of kids that you're recruiting, a lot of them end up going around around the same time. Like I've long said, like I said, I said April was going to be big. It was. I said May was never going to be anything. There was nothing. I said June might have a little. I've said July is Tennessee's month. So I think that's when they potentially get, you know, some some really solid players in the month of July. So like right, but right now, like you're looking at like June being like Clemson's month, right, or Florida. Like it, it, that's kind of how this goes. It's not that they don't have momentum. It's just kind of like right now, the guys they're in on aren't on pace to make a decision in the next, you know, couple of days and other schools have guys that are. So all of a sudden, boom, boom, it's got like Notre Dame hit like that four or five commits in like a week span. Like that, that's, that was kind of their time. So like all these schools kind of run in waves. So like, again, it's not that Tennessee doesn't have momentum. They just have – it's almost like a delayed momentum, whatever you want to call it. I, I think July is more profitable. But there's no doubt, like, you know, some of these guys hover, C.J. Allen, Vic Burley. Tennessee had a solid shot at him a month and a half ago. But 
Clemson and Georgia have just proved to be too much uh, in, in, in those recruitments. And there'll be other guys like that, much like there are other guys that, you know, other schools that maybe felt like, hey, they had a good shot at player X. But Tennessee kind of grabbed the momentum and took it. Hey, last one right here, guys, and we can all kind of go around the room for this one. We're approaching Josh Heupel's second season. What all do you need to see to have the impression that the program is on solid footing and heading in the right direction? Obviously, I think you need to win a couple more games. Now, I don't think this team's going to win 10 games. I think it'd be a great season if this team wins nine games, but I'm expecting eight, eight wins. Um, I need to see the defense to improve, obviously. No, I'm not breaking, not breaking any news there. I need to see the offense continue on. I need to see more diverse play calling. But essentially, the little stuff we always talk about, that's what I need to see from Josh Heupel in year number two. Brent, what would you say? Well, I mean, you got to continue to recruit. Yeah. I mean, solid footing is is sustaining your program. Is Relative, is right? To, is continuing to build your roster. You know, to be on solid footing, you got to have players. And so – whether that's your NIL incorporation, whatever those things that are needed to get that done, you've got to continue to build your roster. I think the system works. Defensively, they've got to grow. We can talk about all those things for this next year, but solid footing means you're not riding the roller coaster where you're good one year down the next year. And to do that, you've got to have a, a great roster and you've got to continue to build your roster. So recruiting, recruiting, recruiting. Yeah, and for, for me, I mean, it's, I mean, I think it's important for people to remember where we're where this program's coming from and how, how bad they struggled and just two or three years ago. So for me, it's continuing to separate yourself from South Carolina, Kentucky, mm-hmm. Vanderbilt, Missouri. I mean, if you can give Georgia Alabama game, that's great. But right now, I think where you're at as a program, I think just establish, you know, make getting yourself ahead of the teams you have traditionally been ahead of for the pretty much the entire existence of your football program, reestablish that those teams can't compete with you. And you're you're on an upward trajectory to compete with Alabama, Georgia, and Florida every year. Yeah, I agree with Rob. I, 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 it's baby steps. I mean, everybody just wants to go from point A to point B, man. I, I I understand, but like enjoy kind of the the journey of it all. Tennessee, watching Tennessee lose all those games to Vanderbilt over the last decade, up until a couple of years ago, watching them, you know, you know, struggle with Missouri at times and give up sixty plus to Drew Locke back to back years. The fact that Tennessee's 11 and one in their last 12 against that South Carolina, Vanderbilt, Missouri, Kentucky, and the only one, the one was the pick six game for JG, you know, where, you know, Kentucky did nothing offensively and Tennessee gave them all those points. So, like, Tennessee is a step, re, slowly reestablished themselves as the team over those set of schools. Now it's to tie to, you know, get across the hump. They've got to beat Pittsburgh. Again, I go back to September. They got to beat Pittsburgh. They got to beat Florida. If they do that, Hover, at that point, eight and four is the absolute four, which would be a like the 2016 type eight and four. Um, and then I think, you know, nine and three or 10 and two becomes more uh, realistic. All right, that's all the time we have today for uh, this edition of the Mailbag Podcast. Appreciate you guys for getting in your questions each and every Thursday uh, morning here at VolQuest.com. And big thanks to Smoky Mountain Organics. As always, go check out one of the three locations right here in East Tennessee, including the one in Knoxville, 8018 Kingston Pike, across the street from the Trader Joe's, or you can shop online at SmokyMountainOrganics.com. We've got plenty of stuff coming up on the sites as we move on towards the weekend, of course, Tennessee Super Regional matchup with Notre Dame. Ben's got a scouting report out there right now. And, of course, we'll have plenty of coverage leading up to that. More recruiting and uh, anything else you can possibly want. That's at VolQuest.com. For Brent Hubs, Austin Price, Rob Lewis, I'm Eric Keynes. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great rest of your Thursday, everybody. 
You've been listening to the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast every week right here on VolQuest.